You're listening to the Woman Who Chat podcast with me, your host, Sandra Garlick. A podcast where I chat to women in business who share their knowledge and top tips, especially for you. I also share my own tips to help you gain visibility fast so that you appear to be everywhere, even when you're not. I'm delighted to bring this podcast to you each week to inspire and motivate you to achieve. Enjoy the podcast. Woman Who Chat is sponsored by Grow Radio. Grow Radio is an online radio station dedicated to bringing you a different podcast on the hour, every hour. I'm proud that Woman Who Chat is played on Grow Radio every Tuesday at 3pm and Friday at 8am and to be a part of their podcasting community. If you want to listen to the station, explore their shows, check out many of the blogs to improve your podcasting skills or get your podcast onto Grow Radio, head over to growradio.uk today. Hello and welcome to Woman Who Chat. And today I'm chatting with Karen Luchenko of Serenity Therapists. Hello, Karen. Hello, Sandra. Nice to be here. It's great to have you here as well. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and then we're going to have a chat about all things therapies. Tell us what you do and a little bit about how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Okay, so I am a qualified holistic therapist. I specialise in helping ladies going through anxiety, perimenopause, menopause, And what I do is I kind of look at the whole picture, really. So looking at symptoms, what they go through, any triggers, stress levels, energy levels, exercise, eating habits, pretty much a lifestyle audit, sleep patterns, various things. So what's going on in their life, really? And use that information to then help empower them to manage their anxiety better or to manage the perimenopause symptoms better. So just providing the education there around that and then the therapy around that too. So uh, I do mindset work, but also hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. So just changing the way that our mindset sort of works and um, how I got into that. So when I was younger, I used to, I had a bit of childhood trauma, which led to me developing IBS at school, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, if you don't know what that is. Uh, stress, anxiety, depression, PTSD, it was all just coming up to the surface because it wasn't dealt with at a younger age. And then to carry on life as as you do, you sort of, as your friends do, you go to uni, you get a a job in a corporation and then blah, blah, blah. Then 10 years after having my first sort of graduate job, decided that I was going to look into therapies I'd had some when I was younger so my mum would take me to have some reflexology done I never really understood it but I quite liked it and so did evening schools did some mindfulness I think that was my first one and then learned Reiki and then hypnotherapy so it's all night school evenings weekends just around the job really just out of interest more than anything I never thought I was actually going to be a therapist it was just building my own toolbox I suppose and so yeah became a therapist and started doing that and I was finding that I was having ladies coming to see me for anxiety and there was no trigger there was nothing happening it was just very spontaneous middle of the night heart pounding chest feeling like I can't breathe just welts you know sweating and that was unusual I'd never kind of dealt with that before so I had to do a bit of researching and and found out that because I'd had a few ladies around a similar time so dug, dug around and found out that it could potentially be the menopause. So whilst I don't diagnose, I still work with the lady. I work with the individual to help them 
to sort of manage and, and to deal with things like that, educating around them so they understand. And once you understand it's oh, okay, there's nothing to be worried about. I'm not having a heart attack, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it sounds, I mean, just going back to your journey, I mean, obviously you're, you're working full time, you're juggling that with what was probably started off as a hobby yeah. uh, and just, you know, self-development really, looking into these things. I mean, I think historically years ago and I, I look back 20 years you know and therapy was something the Americans did yes. <laughs> they went into therapy and it, it was very looked down on here the same as life coaches and all that sort of thing was mm-hmm. we, we were stiff upper lip and we don't go look exploring that type of thing but there must have been something that that made you while you're working full-time think I need to explore this I need to delve into this was it just yeah. You started reading around the topic or was it something, a trigger that actually set you on your course? It was a trigger. I had been on and off antidepressants since kind of being 18 and it's it's just not, it just wasn't working for me. I knew something wasn't working. Some people have a chemical imbalance and the antidepressants work and that's great. It just wasn't working for me. I just found that I was having more side effects than it was doing any good for me so I'd come off them then I'd go back on a different brand or a different kind and then I'd come off those and I thought it's just something's just not right I need to explore something else I'd had a bad experience with counselling and so I didn't really want to explore that either And and it was just finding other things and mindfulness was a thing that sort of was around that time kind of talking maybe six seven years ago that started to become this thing so that's when I did my first night school course I thought okay like let's see what this is like we'll see if it kind of helps me um, and that's where the sort of journey started I suppose was was work just finding out that something needed to change if what you're doing isn't working do something else yeah absolutely I admire you for actually taking that course because so many people will just simply take the pills and keep going and not deal with the underlying issues and I think it's important to say as well therapy doesn't fix you it gives you coping mechanisms and coping tools doesn't it it looks at the underlying problems and gives you coping strategies to help make things mindfulness is, is about looking at things in a different way it's all about working on your mindset isn't it yeah, yeah. And it's very much about choice as well. You can choose how you've been mindful and you can choose that you're not going to be mindful today, but it's rather than a chore, it's a lifestyle. So you build it into your daily life and it's not having to set aside 10 minutes to sit there. Like my, my niece thinks I sit there cross-legged going, oh, <laughs> that's what she thinks I do. But that's not what I do at all. I can be mindful while making a cup of tea in the morning. I can be mindful while I go for a walk. It's just being observant, being in the moment. And that is really, that's really good. That will ground you. So anything that's going on in your head, and we all have it, don't we? I mean, we all have those days where we've got so much going on and it's just circling around our minds. Actually, no, just stop, look around you, especially in nature. We don't utilise it enough. And we see that Britain is very much a small uh, island and it's very overdeveloped in a way. And we don't have as much countryside as, say, the kind of, other countries, maybe like the USA, Canada. And so we need to make the most of getting into the parks and getting into those nice open spaces and taking in the nature. And you say that when I take off on a flight and I usually fly from fly from Birmingham because it's my local airport, if I can. And when you do actually fly over the country, it's shocking to see how much green there actually is. 
It's not until you get up there. I mean, we are an overpopulated country for our size in proportion to a lot of other countries, but there still is a lot of green space. If you compare us to some sort of Hong Kong and and places where they, you know, they have rooftop gardens because there just isn't any green space. We do have a lot, but I don't think we appreciate what we have on our doorsteps. No. And so it's getting out there and, and even discovering what is in our country. In yeah. our nation and sort of getting into the there's lots of national parks and woodlands and places like that so they're really good to seek out and try different places and go and have a weekend away and I'm not saying to go there and discover yourself but it's just more of a case of getting out of the hustle and bustle the sort of nine to five and allowing your mind and body to relax because that's what the point of that is is to the mind and body are connected so if your mind is very frustrated, overwhelmed, there's just too much going on, it affects the body. So for me, I had the irritable bowel syndrome. It, it, the digestive system just shuts off and it says, right, we're not playing because you're stressed. So the digestive system will shut down. The reproductive system will shut down if you're constantly under stress. Now, a little bit, I don't like the word stress, but a little bit of pressure, should we say, is good. It gives us that kickstart in the morning and gives us things, that motivation, but prolonged over time is not very good. And, and that's why the ladies who are going through the sort of perimenopause, it's a constant battle. It's been in fight or flight the whole time and it's trying to get out of that. And as you say, it's the coping strategies, it's the mechanisms that you can kind of put in place to help you to sort of just slow the mind and body down because the thought just triggers that that threat that there's something happening and it's not, but it bypasses the cortex and it just, no one under attack and we're not at all, but it thinks that we are. So the body will react, the adrenaline will pump and the hormones, the stress hormones, the cortisol will come out. So if you're mindful and you can just take a few minutes and think, I'm going to go and get a cup of tea, a cup of tea solves everything, but it kind of does in a way because you're just breaking away from whatever you're doing at the time. And then going about doing it and being mindful. So as you're getting the spoon out, the mug out, boiling the kettle, those kind of things. And just focusing on what you're doing at the time, it takes away all the stress. And then the body thinks, well, okay, well, I can relax because we can't be under threat, can we, if you've got time to do this. I'm briefly interrupting this podcast. Have you ever watched a speaker on stage and thought, oh, I'd love to do that one day? Have you wondered how they can stand on stage and speak without notes so confidently? Do you wish that you could banish the nerves and anxiety and know exactly what to say? Then you need to attend the One Day Speaker Boot Camp on Sunday the 28th of January. It's a day packed full of content and you'll walk away with a blueprint for a keynote speech that you can deliver confidently on stage again and again. Book your place now at womanwho.co.uk forward slash events. There are also monthly payment options available. Just get in touch. Now back to the podcast. I mean, let's talk mobile phones, because I think technology has played a huge part in in the stressful lives that we live, because we're living, I very rarely see, if I take the dog for a walk, for example, to the park, I don't take my phone. I don't Mm. even take it with me. I used to. And then I thought, well, actually, do I need it? I'm going to be on it. I'm going to be 
doing something with it. Leave it behind. And it's a security thing as well. You know, if I leave the phone behind, nobody can steal it off me. But I started doing that in lockdown. And I thought, no. And I, because lockdown was so, we were like in a bubble at the time because there was no cars on the road. The, you know, you could hear the birds. It was beautiful summer. But it made me appreciate more what's around me. And I've, I've retained some of those things. And one of those things I retained was having mobile phone free time where I didn't look at my phone. But do you think mobile phones have added to that anxiety, that stress, that build up, that pressure? Or- Absolutely. Yeah. I think it has. So with the younger generation, it's the whole thing about the comparisons and needing to look perfect and the filters and the turkey teeth and all the kind of like everything that goes around appearance but I mean when I started working and you didn't really have smartphones as such it was uh, you'd be able to be contacted on the phone but now it's moved so that you can have your work emails on your phone you can have it's constant you're just constantly being able to be contactable back in the day if you were out if someone rang your landline well you were out if you're lucky enough to have an answer machine, then they could leave a message. But you weren't there. You weren't chained to your phone. Whereas now I think it's everything's too instant. You could go to a fast food place and you get the instant food. So everything's, we're just so used to things being so quick. And we were never like that in the prehistoric days. We were never like that. The only threat that we had was maybe a dinosaur or a woolly mammoth or maybe another tribe or something like that. But things were slower paced. We didn't have the stress. We had the nature, clearly. We don't have all the sort of the houses and the buildings that we do now. Everything was just much slower paced, but now it's so fast and it's so instant and you feel like you've got to reply straight away. But take a step back. Does it matter if you don't reply in half an hour? You can just reply later on or maybe even just give yourself windows where you look at your phone. And I've seen these places where there's like a phone jail where you can put your mobile phones into like a little place and lock it up so that you can't touch it. (laughs) I think they're a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I do put mine on focus time now quite a lot. And, you know, I build in that self-care into my into my week. You know, I, I have my little, what I call my self-care Saturday. You know, I, I get up a bit later and I, I have a bit of a pamper session and those sorts of things. And I must admit, you know, I do go and take my coffee in the garden, just sit there. I don't take my phone out with me. It's just nice to appreciate what's out there when the weather's nice, of course. Yeah. Um, and other little things that probably I didn't do before, but I still find myself sometimes, you know, racing on to the next thing. My mind is constantly whirring and it, it is very difficult to switch things off and just be, isn't it? Yeah, it is because we're kind of programmed to always be um, thinking because if we didn't think we wouldn't be able to cross the road safely. You know, we have to always be thinking. So we can't ever be sort of braided where we, we're not without our thoughts. But the thing is, when you're having that cup of tea and, and I do the same, I've got a bird's nest. So I'll, I'll kind of watch the, you know, the birds coming in and out and a thought will pop into my mind and I'll acknowledge as a thought and I'll kind of say, right, I'll send you away because I don't need you right now. If it's an important thing, I'll make sure I've got a pen and paper and maybe write it down. I think I'll come back to that later. It's not important right now. What's important right now is that I enjoy my tea or my coffee and that I'm just going to sit here until I finished it and then I can move on. So having regular breaks, it not, it not only helps your mind, but it's that productivity as well. Because if you're constantly on the go, you just, you're going to burn yourself out. So taking those little breaks every now and again. And, and like you said, the focus on the phone is amazing because you could even set yourself maybe a timer that, right, I'm going to be really focused for 10 minutes now. And then you sort of 
then give reward yourself with a little break or something like that or allow yourself a couple of minutes on the phone but it's so addictive because you start going on one app and then there's the next app and then there's notifications and before you know it you've been on there an hour well, yeah, it is. It can be what I call it a time hoover. I mean, coming back to the the you know the anxiety and the stress that that women suffer, we do try and juggle. We do try and do it all. We do see it as a sign of weakness if we can't cope. We feel that enormous external pressure that we've got to be everything to everybody. Do you think it's actually more acceptable now? Do you think times have changed and women are sort of saying? hang on, I'm stressed or I'm suffering from anxiety. Are people more open to sharing that now with people rather than just bottling it up and trying to soldier on? Mm, I think it's becoming more that way. I think we are becoming more open. Women, especially men, are still, it's that British stiff upper lip, like I'm okay, and not to acknowledge those feelings and to sort of try and move past it. So women are better at it than men. But depending on your environment, I mean, there's cultural differences in there as well and maybe how you're brought up. So if you're brought up in a certain way and it's very strict and you don't have that flexibility to acknowledge that something's not right, you've just got to get on with it. And you can't, you don't talk about that and you don't talk to other people about this because why should they know your business? And so it depends on the sort of upbringing, but it's not, it's not frowned upon to say that I'm struggling. So women who have children and it's a massive lifestyle shift. That you, your life is never the same again. So ladies that have um, postnatal depression, they should, not like there's no class for this, but it's just being prepared and saying, you know, things are going to change, your body's going to change, and your life's going to change. But it's a good thing. Like this, these are the good things and sort of changing the mindset around it and that it's okay to acknowledge that you're sort of maybe grieving or mourning what you kind of lost, but it's not that it's like what have you gained and so it's changing the perspective on things um and then having that open dialogue whether it's with the friends whether it's with the therapist because they are very confidential and, and no no information goes anywhere else so at least you know with some friends i think some people worry that it's going to get you know be gossiped about so they don't tend to they tend to hold their tongue a little bit with some friends or with people with some people, whereas with a therapist, it is very open. You can talk about it and there's no judgment there. But there's yeah. no judgment at all. And I think that's the main thing that I kind of want to express today is that if you're feeling stressed, overwhelmed, anxious and all the other things, it's acknowledging it. And that's the first step. Is that, OK, something's different and then taking the action about it. So whatever your next step you feel like you need to take to be able to move on then. And so if somebody's feelings, you know, that they've got stress or anxiety, what's the first thing they should do? I mean, you say acknowledge it, but that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Is mm. there some uh, mindful exercises they could start doing as, as a way of dealing with that? Yeah. So an easier one, as in we all have it, is our breath. So our breath is a really simple one. What I would say is practice this before you get into a, a stage where you feel really anxious. So if you know you have anxiety bouts, but you're actually feeling okay, so you might have had your breakfast and you feel okay, this is the best time to practice it. So we could do box breathing where we if you imagine an equilateral kind of uh, box, a cube, and then you're breathing in for four seconds, holding for four seconds, breathing out for four seconds holding for four seconds 
And then that just regulates the breathing. So if you're in a sort of anxious state, your breathing is going to be exasperated and you'll get what we call blood alkalosis. So we need to even that out. So we need to even the breath out. And that's where the practice then comes in, because if you're practicing when it's easier to practice, it's not so much of a, I can't remember what any sort of everything's going on and it becomes even more of a frustration. It'll just become natural. Okay, yeah, I remember thinking about a box. So I've got to go like breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold. There's other breathing techniques that you can do, but that's a really good one. You don't need anything else. You don't actually need a prop. You don't need anything. You can just wherever you are, no one needs to know that you're doing it. You just do it in your mind. I'm not, I'm drawing a box to sort of explain, but you don't need to do that. You can just have your hands by your side. And so breathing, grounding. So panic attacks can can come out of nowhere. And again, you need to be practicing this sort of thing before before a panic attack comes, because then it's just easier to deal with. So five things that you can see using your senses, five things that you can see. You're slowing down the reaction then, because if you're really under threat, you have got no time to be looking at things. You've got no time to be touching things. You've got no time to be hearing and listening out for things. You would just be running if you were under you know, a real threat or hiding or fighting, whatever it is that you needed to do. So five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things that you can smell, and then one thing you can taste. And it might be that you just can't taste anything. It's just, don't I don't feel indifferent, but that's okay. You're just acknowledging that. And again, it just brings homeostasis, just the body and the mind are just calming down. And then the panic attack calms down. Because if you have the panic attack, it's triggered by the anxiety and the other way around. So you're anxious about getting a panic attack. So that kind of just calming the whole mind and body down. So being in that kind of state just helps. Yeah. Fantastic exercises there. I've not heard of the, I've heard of the breathing technique before, but not the, the five. Yeah, the uh, grounding. Yeah, that's really interesting. Sadly, we're running out of time. I always ask my guests to leave, I mean, you've given us some top tips already, but I always ask my guests to leave the audience with a piece of advice or a top tip. Uh, What would yours be? So we kind of talked about anxiety a lot and I I sort of wanted to just maybe touch on, on ladies who maybe just go through the perimenopause where they sort of feel like they're barren or maybe they've just come to the end of the road or it's the end of sort of life as they know it but I really want to emphasize that is not the case that this is the start of the next chapter in your life it should be exciting times a time of transformation so yes things are moving but it's like puberty and reverse in a way in that things are changing the body's changing but accepting that does change and then who do you want to be for this next half to a third of your life because let's face it we're all living old to be older and so we've still got a lot of time left in us so what do you want to do with that time who do you want to be feel liberated is is kind of like the word I would say like it's time to be liberated now so the mindset is really important and thinking about things it's perspective as well so I have one of my really good friends at school she died when she was in her 20s so she'll have never got to experience and got to this point so getting to this point is a privilege that is denied to so many so think I always think about her and think Okay, like I know she would have just breezed through this because that was her sort of mindset around it. And she'd have just been laughing if I'd have said something about whatever or 
going through kind of the stage when I had my antidepressants and sort of looking a bit like zombie like she would have just taken the rip but that was her and, and she was just such that this ball of energy and so I think I owe it to her to to live the life that I can to the full and to look after myself to look after myself put on my own oxygen mask before helping others because if I'm feeling good then I help everyone else and that as a therapist that's we all know that's really important that we do look after ourselves because if we're feeling depleted, then the clients aren't getting the best of us. I love that. It's a really good way to look at things, a really great perspective. And thank you for sharing that, Karen. It's great chatting you to, to Karen today. That's Karen Lachenko of Serenity Therapies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Woman Who Chat podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Join me next week for more inspiration, learning and top tips. In the meantime, visit womanwho.co.uk to find out how you can start your Woman Who journey or even feature on a future podcast. You can also join the Woman Who Achieves community on Facebook. The link is in the show notes. There, you'll get the opportunity to network, find support and make new connections with over a thousand women in business. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's podcast. And if there are any topics you would like to hear, just get in touch with me, your host, Sandra Garlick.